Welcome to the Center for Diversity Leadership, where we are supporting school leaders together across the nation as they create school cultures that ensure all students are seen, valued, celebrated, and heard. I am Dr. Ryan Daniel. And I'm Xavier Reed. And we are your fellows in this work. Today, we are talking about leadership strategies school leaders can implement to embed belongingness and inclusion in their school culture. Now, belongingness, it's the feeling of security and support when there is a sense of acceptance, inclusion, and identity for a member of a certain group. It is when an individual can bring their authentic self to work, when employees feel like they don't belong at work. Oftentimes, their performance and their personal lives may suffer. So, Xavier, what does inclusion and belongingness look like to you? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I feel like it's different for everybody. Um, I think that it it, it changes. It, it could even change in whatever space that you're in. But um, for me personally, I feel like when I feel belonged, it's that, you know, the room I'm walking into, the building I'm walking into, there's a sense of warmth. You know, there's a positive energy um, that is surrounded around me. I also feel like, you know, I'm, I'm someone who, you know, uh, when I feel like I belong, like I, you know, I'm being greeted, welcomed, um, you know, that's important to me. Uh, and when it comes to inclusion, um, I think that it, in different ways, is about, you know, being seen, being heard, um, being welcomed in, um, in different ways. I know that just professionally, you know, it's, it, it's not just, you know, being at the table, but actually being, being able to be a part of the conversation and decisions uh, that are being made. So for me, it's a, it's a mixture of all those things. Um, how about you? What, what does it look like for you? I think like belongingness is almost like a human need, like a necessity. And I think it's because right. connectedness um, you know, people search for a sense of connection. Like, do I, do I belong here? Do I fit in? Like, am I connected with somebody? And I think for me, um, when I feel like I belong somewhere, when I feel like I have a connection, um, that people have my like best interests at heart, mm. that I can show up as my authentic self. Because I think oftentimes as a Black woman, um, I often fear of showing up as my authentic self. And so I think um, being, for me, belongingness is where I can just authentically be who I am, um, talk how I can, you know, how I, I, I do, um, and that there's a sense of connectedness um, with whoever or wherever I am in. And I think just as a school leader, I've learned over time that my need for that has now spun into like making sure that everyone feels that when they come into you know our our school culture and our climate because when we think of like climate and culture no climate is um like that moment but culture is like how it's feeling and not just what it looks like so yes you may see diversity but do you feel that you're celebrated here do you feel like you you know belong and i think for me um there was a time when I felt like I didn't belong. Um, and, you know, I I almost get scared sometimes sharing the story 
because you you know that fear of just like retaliation. Um, but mm-hmm. I I remember um, serving in my so where I sit in my my state, uh, we are a one of the highest predominantly African American um, counties in our state, but my state doesn't necessarily reflect my county. And I remember being at a conference and um, I, I was serving on the executive board. And, um, but I was the, I was the only like black woman um, on the board. And I almost felt like I didn't belong there. And, and, and I, and I, there were things said, I think, and we'll talk about it later in the year, just about implicit biases, but I, you know, I really felt like I didn't belong and that I almost had to kind of not add my voice into the conversations. Like I could not participate in something, couldn't volunteer because I felt as if I didn't belong there and that I, I, I there was like a, a lack of connection with the other members. And I remember that day in particular, I had to step away and I, um, ironically we were it was a professional development day for my school and I had to meet with my teachers and we were talking about like in in inclusion and belongingness and um I led the session with my teachers but I had to take a moment because I was very emotional because of what I was currently experiencing in the space that I was in because it was virtual and I knew I belonged with my staff because the amount of pouring that they did into me, like in the chat, like, you know, um, giving me just kind of like support and encouragement to go like, go back out there, like you belong there. Um, it made me realize that what I felt I've lacked in other places, I've tried to make sure that my school culture like that they feel that sense of belongingness and inclusion and that we're looking out and connecting, you know, with one another. And I think that really has shaped like my leadership. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's definitely, um, that's really deep. And that's uh, a significant, um, you know, situation, you know, that you went through and can see that I, as you were talking, I was trying to think about, you know, what's, you know, when, I've had moments, you know, where I haven't felt belonged and just the connection just to to our work that we do in schools. And, uh, you know, just growing up here in Minnesota, um, you know, I'm definitely not usually in the majority um, in spaces that that I'm in as a student, you know, just thinking back to, um, you know, my elementary years, um, I lived in a different part of the city and um, I was maybe one one of three or four kids in my class who were of color, um, maybe one of two, maybe one of five kids in the grade that were black. Um, and so it was uh, definitely uh, a culture shock because, you know, one thing that I talk about with our staff a lot is for when you come from a community of color, uh, whether that's black, Asian, Hispanic, up until you get to kindergarten, that's all you, re- that's, for the most part, that's what you know. Um, not every not every kid gets a chance to go to daycare, gets a chance to go to preschool, gets a chance to do some of those things. But when you're in your home and you're in you know your community and you're in your your space, like that is what you know. And so, um, especially here in Minnesota, where we have less than 0.5 percent of our teachers um, are are black, you know, for a black student coming into that space, 
it feels different. And so, you know, just being able to navigate that, I think that there, you know, when I look back on it, uh, obviously at six and seven years old, not able to articulate um, exactly what I was feeling. But as I reflect on it, I think that there were different microaggressions um, that came up uh, to me at, for me as a kid. And I think some of those things put a ceiling on what I felt like I was capable of as a student. And so, you know, fast forward to junior high school or high school when, you know, there's honors classes, there's um, AP classes, there's these different things. And in the back of my mind, I'm a confident person. I, I'm definitely confident. Um, but academically and specifically like with math, for instance, I put, a, I felt like I had a ceiling on myself because of previous microaggressions or things that were said or limitations that were put on me. Um, and I think that that, when I reflect on that, I think about our students and I think about the messages that we unintendedly or intentionally, um, can send to students to put ceilings on them. And I don't ever want any students that are in our buildings um, to feel that way. I want there to be not, I, I don't want to gatekeep. I want to, you know, remove the the barriers. I want to open up doors and provide opportunities for any student to achieve whatever it is that they're looking to achieve. But I think the big piece is just, you know, being able to, um, to know that you belong in that space. And so sometimes what happens is, you know, even in that, even in op, even in a in a situation where doors are open, opportunities are open, because that student doesn't feel like they belong in that class or they are capable, they don't they don't take that opportunity. Um, and un unfortunately, it does have an impact. And I think that that's work that we need to continue to do, because, um, like I said, that was that was definitely an experience that I went through. Yeah, and uh, you know, as you, it's so funny how we're co how connected we are. Um, because mm -hmm. as you were speaking in my mind, I'm thinking like, oh gosh, you know, barriers and bridges and, mm -hmm. you know, for our students, like, are we creating barriers for them? Are we creating bridges, um, for them? And so when, when I think of like school leaders and our kind of role or charge, um, really is creating a sense of belongingness for students and for staff. But it's like, how do you do that? You know, how do you how do you do that um, the right way? And what is the right way? Um, I know for me, some of the different leadership moves and behaviors that I have implemented is the first just being a um, example of it. So, for example, I my duty every day is the front door. Um, for me, that's an opportunity to say good morning to students, say, you know, welcome, glad that you're here, give them whatever they need, whether it be a hug, whether it be a fist pump, um, whether it be rock, paper, scissors, whatever it is they need in they mo that moment, um, getting them to understand like whatever you just went through to get here, I'm so glad that you're here, um, whatever, and I, and I shifted to make sure that all students felt like they belong I shifted from just having me at the front. I have two of my other staff members that are in different places in the building um, because I, I have a mental health therapist, a school-based mental health therapist. And when she first got here, she said, you know, what is the best way for me to like get to know, you know, the community? I said, they first have to know that they have to trust you first. 
and you have to be visible. And she's like, well, I'm in the hallway. I said, yeah, you're in the back of the hallway. You're down in the intermediate hallway. You're only saying a pocket of students. I said, come with me in the front of the building and stand with me because then now there is a, okay, I'm going to trust you because you're with Dr. Daniel and I trust her. So now there's like a, a bridge that I'm creating for her. And so now when there are students that come in that are having rough days or rough mornings, she's there to be able to kind of support them through that. But I, that changed with my teachers. I told them like, you want students to, um, to feel welcomed when they come into your classroom, but when they come in your classroom, your, your head is down, you're fiddling with papers. What are you doing to encourage them to welcome them when they come inside of the, you know, inside of the classroom? So that I know for me that that has been one leadership move that I have um, poured into my teachers so that not only am I ensuring that our students feel like belong, feel like they belong when they come in, but when they go into their teachers' classrooms. I don't like what what have you done? Because again, you know, though we're both two African American leaders, we sit in two different places in the world. Um, and so for for I'm curious to hear like how do you create that sense of belongingness for your students? Yeah, yeah. I think we've really tapped it, we've really um been able to try to tap into, you know, adding more student voice to some of the decisions and different things that we do. Um for instance, um, a couple of years ago, we had um, a group of students. They were mostly eighth grade students. Uh, many of the students, um, I would say, identify with the LGBTQIA community um, and just talked about kind of what their experience has been the last couple of years. Uh, this was in my first year of being principal of the building. So I did, you know, obviously just a lot of listening. Um, and one of the big themes out of what they were talking about was we feel like, you know, we want these messages to to be known school wide of what is okay and what's not okay in terms of just how we treat each other. And so the students um, really led the charge um, themselves with some support from us as administrators, and they built a whole um, PBIS lesson um, that we now call the the um, our harmful language and harassment um, slides that we use to basically, you know, go through everything um, of, as far as what is okay and what's not okay in this space and how we can build a community where everybody is seen um, and respected. And it was the students that did that. And it was their voice. Um, you know, in a previous building that I've been in, uh, we had, you know, there was, um, strong opinions on hats and hoods. And, um, you know, for the the school that I worked in, this was a school that was very diverse. Um, I think we were almost 60% students of color. Um, and so for our students, the hat and hood, um, you know, issue felt definitely different. And I would say for um, Black girls specifically, um, you know, we had a couple of students, I had a student in particular, that wasn't able to get her hair done. And so she did not want to show her hair and was not comfortable with that. And so I had a hood on her head and, um, you know, was given a detention, you know, by a teacher and that didn't sit well with me. Um, it didn't sit well with other students and those students uh, rallied together and were able to, you know, do some research, do some 
some talking to other students and other staff members. And they, they are the reason why we no longer had a hat and hood policy in the building. And so for different reasons, I think the student voice is the most powerful voice in the building and it's just not tapped in to enough. And so we, we're currently just trying to find more ways to be able to tap into the into that voice as well. I love that example that you gave um, to our listeners of one way that they can really um, kind of create that sense of belongingness. I'm just gonna add as we wrap up to that, um, just on the elementary side of it, one thing that we have done that we've seen a lot of um, success with is um, we've created peer mentors at the elementary level um, to allow students that opportunity to have someone other than an adult help them through some of that conflict, build those relationships. So this, this kind of peer support network or buddy system that we have, um, it pairs students with one another and also with um, other staff members in the building that they may not interact with um, as often. And that has been a really good support um, just to, so that they feel a um, kind of a sense of belongingness that they feel included, um, that it creates this supportive social environment um, for students. Um, because when we're thinking of school leaders, you know, sometimes we get so boggled down with the academics and the data and the number of parent concerns that we have and not realizing um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs and yes, yep. tap into that and meet our students and our staff's needs of, you know, wanting to feel connected and a sense of belongingness and inclusion, then it, it, it's going to hurt us and hinder some of the success that we can have um, in the long run. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. And I love that. I love Maslow's. That's always the, that's something that we, we tend to forget sometimes. Absolutely. I said, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you were able to take a little bit of our stories and connect them to some of the, your own um, leadership and lived experiences. And remember as school leaders, you know, we we have to ensure that those soft skills, those interpersonal skills, um, we're taking just as much time to fine tune those as we are some of those technical and adaptable skills um, of school leaders. Again, this is Dr. Ryan Daniel. And Xavier Reed. And we are and your we fellows. Are the work.